Hello and welcome back to Torsky Tuesdays. I'm your host, Hananya Abraham. We are finishing up chapter 12. We are in episode 38, and we will be discussing seeking versus finding truth. In last episode, we were talking about honesty versus truth, and we will now be going right into a segue of how that works and how a person seeks and finds it. So, we are here on page 102. Relief from SDS does not require finding truth. It is not about arriving at the truth, but rather searching for the truth with sincerity, unaffected by ulterior motives that makes a person spiritual, meaning not having anything else on their mind except the concept of searching for the truth, because it's the searching for the truth in itself and the greater good for that individual or for you or for me that makes us in a, to be in a place of being more spiritual. Truthfulness is more than a noble trait. Some people have made a fortune by lying and deception, but lasting success and lasting happiness can only come with truth. Like we were talking a little bit about last time, if you're going to save a few dollars because the cash register, the cashier only charged you for the lid, but yet put the whole thing in the bag, what are you gaining? $9.98? How's that? How far is that going to get you? Because you feel like, oh, you know what? I could get away with this. So who says I can't get away with more? There is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. I would say one of the best books on child rearing in general, written by Lawrence Kelman, who wrote To Kindle a Soul. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, he went around speaking afterwards uh, to promote his book, and I remember hearing him speak. And one thing that he said, and I remember the first time hearing him speak, I was still single before I had kids, before I had a teenager. And one thing that he said that really stuck to me, that really, really stuck out to me, was you can spend all the time in the world going to the best experts, getting the best advice. You can spend the most money on tutorings, on teachers, private classes, even private schools, tens and tens of thousands of dollars. But when you're going to Disneyland, to Six Flags, and hopefully as time goes on here, these, these places will be more open as time goes on. If you're going to go to those amusement parks and you're going to tell your daughter, do me a favor, tell them that you're 12 and not 13 because you want to save an extra $100 on the ticket. You literally wasted away those tens of thousands of dollars on tuition that you spent on your child. Because what you're doing now is you're showing that these $100 is worth me being non-truthful now to that situation. And I think that goes a very long way. How to have one little action that you can do of not seeking the truth, of trying to pull some sort of deception, how that can really throw a person back not only tens of thousands of dollars, but years and years of honesty and hard work and proper, healthy, spiritual-based upbringing of our children. Going back over here to the book, Dr. Torsky continues at the top of page 103. One of my patients in the psychiatric hospital had many physical complaints that I felt were drug-seeking. I guess it means this person was a shopper of pills, so to speak. I told the nurse to give the patient an injection of saline. 
he would feel this the stick and the smart of the ceiling and believe he had received medication. I was surprised when the nurse told me that the medical director forbade the use of placebos. Curious, I asked the medical director for an explanation. As a general medicine intern, I had often prescribed placebos. The medical director replied, Dr. Torsky, before we came out of the trees and developed speech, we communicated like all other animals, non-verbally. When we developed verbal communication, we did not eliminate nonverbal communication, but rather superimposed speech on it. We therefore communicate in both ways, verbally and non-verbally. It's a very good line, very well said. While we do have control over what we say, we have little or no control over our nonverbal communications. If you give a patient a placebo, you are saying verbally, I am giving you something, but your nonverbal communication is saying, I am giving you nothing. Your patient receives both messages, is confused, and his trust in you is impaired. Your single most important tool in psychiatry is the patient's trust. You cannot afford to jeopardize it. And like I've made fun of myself before, as I read stuff, I notice my hands moving in a podcast, and I'm preaching to myself when I talk about how I deal with myself, how I deal with some of my patients at the time as a therapist, but probably the way I treat my wife and kids and, and, my, and my friends and my peers that I respect and love. I say one thing and do something else. And there is something to be said about making sure that our message is clear all the time. Realizing the truth in that, continued Dr. Torsky, I stopped lying. I realized that I could not be a good liar. Parentheses, trust me, neither can you. I needed to believe in what I was doing, not offer placebos. There's a story that, illust- that Ill- illustrates the need to believe in something yourself in order to successfully communicate it to others. Mark Twain said, you can't pray a lie. And he puts in the word pray is, is italics, but that's a zone. But the concept of you can't pray a lie. You can't ask for something in prayer and not mean it at all. Because that, that's not prayer. That's not what it is. I think prayer is one of those things that helps us be subservient to realize that there's a greater good here for something. And if I'm going to lie in that, that means it's the whole antithesis to what prayer is supposed to be in the first place. Similarly, I believe, says Dr. Torsky, that we cannot communicate a lie. A lie is always a double message because our nonverbal messages get communicated along with our spoken messages. And that can be very difficult to deal with. Verbal messages are from the conscious mind of the speaker to the conscious mind of the listener. Which I wonder if my body movements that I'm doing, literally again as we speak, that's something that's actually going over and it can be communicated uh, through the power of the mic. So continuing over here. Verbal messages are from the conscious mind of the speaker to the conscious mind of the listener. Nonverbal communication is a form is form one from one unconscious mind to another unconscious mind. At the unconscious level, listeners know when they are being lied to. I I think of when I'm, I'm reading something like this, the concept that we talk a lot about um, regarding babies, and babies can feel the tension in their mothers or, in, or whoever is holding them. 
I think that goes a very long way, that our nonverbal cues can be communicated to others. And the same way it can be done to babies, the same way it can be done to speakers, I would say it goes as far as way with podcasters as well. So anyone out there that is listening, that is enjoying these, to please send feedback and reach out to me at koshercounseling at gmail.com. Just to finish up over here, we turn the last page of chapter 12, page 104. During World War II, a family of my father's congregation received a message that their soldier son was missing in action from the European theater of war. Understandably, the parents were crushed by this news. My father tried to comfort them by saying that the missing in action did not mean that he had been killed, that very likely he was a prisoner of war and would return when the war was over. Once a week, my father visited their home to comfort them and to keep up their hopes that the son was still alive. Indeed, after VE Day, the parents received the glad tidings that their son had been a prisoner of war and had been liberated. When the son returned to his base, he found a pile of letters from my father for two years. My father had written him a letter every single week. What was the point of writing those letters? My father wrote them each week before he went to visit the parents. In order to help the parents keep up their hopes while the son was alive, my father had to reinforce his belief in himself. If he had not believed it, his words to the parents would have a little effect because the nonverbal message would have betrayed his true feelings. What a dude. That is amazing. I shouldn't call him a dude. He was a big rabbi in the Middle East. In the Middle East. In the Midwest of America. But that's amazing. That is amazing. You'll go so far with trying to help someone with something that you'll spend the time to physically write a letter to help yourself be convinced of something. Amazing. Throughout the pages of this book, I have been focusing on the superiority of humans over animals. But in this arena, I sometimes wonder if, at least in one way, animals may be superior to us. Animals cannot lie. They are truthful creatures. What is the truth? When does a kind misstatement become a lie? When does a justified action become a problem? Can I honestly ever be can honesty ever be a bad thing? Each of us will wrestle with these kinds of questions all of our days, but the point of reassurance comes not when we find the one truth, but when we know we are continually on the path of seeking the truths that reflect our beliefs, our purpose, and our God. That is when we will be able to lay a calm, a claim to our corner of happiness. What a beautiful way to end this chapter. Remembering that it's the journey. Remembering that it's what we are continuously gaining and growing. Because a truth for today is not necessarily a truth for tomorrow. And I think this overall concept of how we think, we have to be able to, to justify it. Like, let's think of the foods that we eat today and what we like and what we enjoy. Very different than the foods we might have eaten when we were younger. Or let's say the, the amount of layers that we would wear of clothing. How are those things giving us warmth? And is it different when we were younger? Happiness works the same way. And making sure that we're always going to be happy is very different depending on where we're holding in life. Beautiful, beautiful episode. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We have reached a number of milestones. And I'm very grateful to everyone that has sent feedback, everyone that has given me ideas. To be honest, I was expecting a little more critiques from people. And I haven't gotten enough of that um, I pride myself in thinking that I'm good at um, getting critiques from others, constructive criticism, as we say. 
Uh, hopefully, um, people will start reaching out. You can reach out to me at koshercounseling at gmail.com. Have a good day.